I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God. Real niggas getting money from the fucking stars. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Wayward Weekly. This is episode three, and I'm your host, Bobby Burns, and with me is Paul Sexton. All right, Paul, what do we have on the agenda this week? Well, I know we were talking about uh, wanting to jump into education because we've been wanting to talk about that the past two weeks. Um, Let's do and it. And I wasn't even... Okay. Yeah. And I know you had some initial thoughts on education in terms of like improving it. Um, yeah, let's start with my complaints. <laughs> um, absolutely. I'm, I mean, look, uh, my initial qualm with the education system in the United States, um, is that it's just so completely bound by tradition. Uh, really a lot of the things that you see teachers do in the classrooms on a regular basis are things that they've been told to do because someone else was doing it, because this is how I did it, or because this is how the classroom I observed and was doing it, or because this is how my principal is telling me how to do it, as opposed to basing things off of whatever the best research is. And so I initially have uh, just some really big qualms because my background is in behavior analysis, which is uh, really the study of changing human behavior. And um, there is a lot of information out there within my field and outside of my field about how to teach, about how to get people to do the things that you want them to do, about how to get people to remember things and whatever it is. I mean, um, if you look at academia, and I'm sure most listeners would initially agree with this, but it doesn't matter if you're talking about science, English, history, math, reading, whatever it is, it's all just memorization. And we're all good yeah. at that to some degree, whether it be... That's what got me through it. What was that? That's what got me through school was memorization. But the problem is, is I didn't learn, like you're saying, long-term you know, memory formation. Sure. And so it's like, look, we can we can look at the, the surface of it and say, well, I don't like math because I'm not good at it or history is boring or this or that. And that's not what any of it's about. Okay. All of it's boring. To me, when I was a kid, I wasn't like, yeah, now it's time for math or now it's time for reading. This is the best. But I was good at all of it um, or at least good enough to get A's and B's. And so yeah. it's not about liking it or disliking it. We're all good at memorizing some things, whether it be video games, whether it be uh, music history um, or knowledge, whether it be how to play a musical instrument or how to build a house or how to wire a house and run electricity. I mean, you know, it's funny because I'll often talk with uh, friends and they're like, oh yeah, I couldn't do the whole college thing, blah, blah, blah. So um, I went to electrician school. I'm like, dude, it's the same shit. You yeah. went and you studied yeah. electricity just like you would in a college classroom, probably for mm -hmm. longer periods of time. Like you're going to the same damn class every day for four hours a day or eight hours a day or whatever. Yeah. You know, I had a friend who did welding and he went to welding 
all day long for eight hours a day. And it's like, yeah, but we welded stuff. And it's like, so in my chemistry class, we mixed some chemicals together and made things or dissolved things or took a chemical and split it into two different things. Um, it, it's not all book learning and you have some book learning. So um, I think there's a lot of missed uh, or preconceived notions about how we learn. And so initially when you talk about education reform, a lot of people don't think that um, some of these things are going to work just because they don't like learning in general or they don't like education in general or standardized education. So my qualm really isn't with like the subject matter. Um, it's just with the fact that um, the methods uh, in which we teach um, don't equate to something you said earlier is you don't retain the information, maybe enough to get by in a, a test, but a year later, yeah. what does it do for you? You know? Um, yeah. I got, I mean, I like, uh, I set the curve of my statistics class and we had a discussion. I mean that when I was getting my undergrad and, uh, you and I were talking about statistics and you're going over, um, some, you know, formulas and stuff with me and some theories and I should still remember that stuff, but I didn't. And I had to look some of it up just to kind of recall. And I think that's a shame because I was actually good at it. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't retain any of it, but that's been my entire life and approach to education is I was always very good at memorizing. So I would just get flashcards or basically what I would do throughout school uh, even uh, with some aspects of law school, you know, you put the definitions on the left side, you put the, or sorry, the uh, the um, the terms on the left side, definition on the right side, I'd fold the sheet over and I just look back and forth, back and forth until I got it, you yeah. know? Yep. And I, but the thing is, I couldn't tell you necessarily why, you know, things were happening. I just could, you know, regurgitate it on a test. So um, I think what you just said gets at, everything um, or everything I want to get at can revolve around like what you just said. Uh, and so I can, you know, start to make points about that and discuss it. Look, um, if you don't jump in, I'm probably just going to talk for an hour straight. So you're going to have to cut me off at some point and, and jump in or share your experiences. Because um, Oh, we'll do. But I, I want to hear, like, I want to know what you know, because I, I'm curious how you change. I have some ideas uh, as well, but mine are coming from a scientific you know, sure. sort of, uh, and, and look, yeah. I'm not going to drop articles and things like that. Um, and I'm not going to say, Oh, just do your own research. And I'm not going to say that I'm a complete authority on this, but if you have something that, um, you know, you think I'm wrong on, I would encourage you to look it up and try and support yourself, right? Um, so all the things that I'm saying, I'm saying because I've read somewhere, I've done some research or, or utilized some research um, to come up with these methods or conclusions. This is what I studied. This is, um, you know, what my post-master's education is in, uh, is in behavior analysis. So so first, let's go back. Um, you know, we were talking about statistics, and I'm wondering right off the bat if I shared with you um, kind of what I share with uh, some of my classes when I teach, because I I teach a uh, 40-hour course in behavior analysis. I'm wondering if you, um, if I said to you kind of some of the same things that I say to my classes, I go, okay, <clears throat> we all have taken a stats course, right? And maybe, you know, some of our listeners haven't taken a stats course. So let's go with, we've all taken a U.S. history course because we had to in high school, 
and we had yeah. to in junior high and we had to in fifth grade and third grade. We've taken United States world history. I don't know, at least five years out of our lives. It's oh, yeah. ridiculous how many times we've had to learn the same thing over and over and over. And you learn it in, let's say, seventh grade. And then in eighth grade, you do world history instead of U.S. history. And then in ninth grade, you go back to U.S. and you're like, I don't remember any of this shit. And so yeah. um, I ask my class, how many of you remember how many people signed the Declaration of Independence? Where was it signed? Who was the fourth president? Uh, and all these things that at some point you've had to memorize. Or I'll say, the stats example, because a lot of um, my students have taken statistics, who remembers how to calculate a standard deviation? And every once in a while, I get a few people raising their hands. I go, great, here's five numbers. Calculate the standard deviation. And they're like, well, I don't, I don't remember the formula. I just would know how to do it. I'm like, what, what does that even mean? You remember the formula. You don't remember the formula. You just remember how to do it. The formula is how to do it. Is how to <laughs> okay. do it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So so you don't remember it. And and look, I don't either. I'm not saying that I do and, and I'm better on these things. Um, and so in behavior analysis, we have what is called uh, maintenance. And we do maintenance work to maintain skills that we've already taught to people. And um, so when you get someone to the point of saying that they're good at something, when you've taught someone to talk about world history or write about world history, or rather U.S. history, or when you've taught somebody how to do statistics, um, you shouldn't then just stop. And one of the big things that our education system does is it just stops. Now, there are a few examples where it doesn't. Right. Mathematics. Uh, and let's just say simple algebra would be one where. You learn how to add, and the next year you learn how to multiply. And the next yeah. year you learn how to do, um, I can't remember these things, the quadratic formula or equation of a line, slope of a line, things like that. And all of it is mm -hmm. just continues to use addition and multiplication. And now, if I were to ask you today, Paul, um, to calculate some simple addition or some simple multiplication, you would be able to do it without even thinking because you've had so much maintenance on it that you can't not do it. In fact, we get to a point um, with learning uh, where something becomes so automatic we can't not do it. Okay, So yeah. uh, I will tell you right now, do not think of the answer to the next math problem I'm going to give you. Okay, Listen to the problem, just don't solve it. Don't think of the mm -hmm. answer. Two plus two, don't think of it. And now, if you're with me, you probably couldn't help but think of the answer automatically. Even if you're like, don't think, yeah. don't think, don't think, your brain just shouts it out because it's a yeah. language you now understand. You can't not see it, right? At some point you were mm -hmm. three and you walked by, uh, you know, um, a sign in the store that said restroom, okay? And you looked at it and you didn't think anything of it. You couldn't read it. You couldn't understand it. It didn't mean anything. But if you walk by it today and you see it, you can't not read it. It automatically means something to you because it's been so rehearsed. So reading is another one yeah. that we continue to maintain. Had we not, we'd probably forget them like we've forgotten statistics or history or some of our social studies stuff or some of our science stuff. I mean, God, definitely our science stuff. People don't even know what the scientific method is anymore, right? They're like, go online yeah. and do your own research. That's not how research works. You don't just go online and read what you want. You have a hypothesis and you test it and you try and disprove it. Anyways, yeah, I'm digressing. So the first thing 
that I, I have wrong with our education system is there is no maintenance for a lot of the big important things that we're trying to teach. People complain all the time. I never learned in, in school how to balance a checkbook or do this or do that. I actually remember doing that once, one time. And we did never yeah. do it again. We did it for like two weeks. They're like, this is how you write checks and balance a checkbook and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. And then you're gone. You're on, you're on with it. And then five years yeah. later, they're like, write a check. And you're like, I don't even have a bank account. And they're like, well, then you can't buy this or you can't buy that. You got to get your parent to co-sign for you. I'm like, wait, how do I do all this stuff? Like, well, they taught you five years ago for two weeks. You should remember. Um, <clears throat> so the suggestion would be, the solution would be, is that we implement some sort of maintenance for every single th class that we have to take. Now, I'm not suggesting we do more schooling. I'm saying we do the exact same amount of schooling. Um, we just lengthen the amount of time that we teach things for and narrow down what we're teaching. Or maybe... Uh, then we fade out the amount of times that we have to teach it later. So let's say you take United States history in fifth grade, and then in seventh grade, and then in ninth grade, and then in 11th grade. I know you just took four years of it. And if you go to college, you got to take one more semester of it. <clears throat> Instead of doing that, how about we take history, U.S. history in fifth grade and in sixth grade. But once you get into sixth grade, rather than learning anything new, you just continually go over the same old stuff in new ways. That's okay? interesting. Because I was just going to ask you how, like, how would it work for, you know, kids that might be left behind where you are going over this stuff over and over and over again, but you're still, you know, moving from the foundation onward. So you're always progressing. And yeah, I think without a stop, you could eventually lose a lot of kids because the benefit of restarting, you know, having a U.S. history where they're talking about this period in time and then you advance a grade and then you're talking about this period in time is that you don't have to remember the prior period. Mm -hmm. So that's an advantage where, you know, uh, you know, maybe there's kids out there that just, well, I know they're, they're just everyone learns differently. So the uh, everyone's memories are different. So everyone would kind of be in the same boat. Whereas if it's a progressive sort of uh, a thing where you're constantly, you know, going over the material and having to remember the material from prior classes, I'm wondering if some students could get left behind. But now that you mentioned having to retake that or kind of have a class where they go over that stuff again, an entire grade, that might be beneficial, just like you're saying to reinforce it. Yes. So, so that would help with that, but that would not help completely. That is an issue I will get back to uh, in just a moment. Um, <clears throat> it will help with it, but it's not a good solution to people getting left behind because just just because I have something there where we're going to do it again the next year doesn't mean people still won't get left behind. It will help, yeah, but people will still get left behind in that scenario, and we want to try and avoid that. Um, yeah. You know, that's where people really get discouraged. I don't want to feel like, you know, I don't want to be in 11th grade trying out for varsity soccer and like, no, you're back on the JV team. Like, I'm like, oh, apparently I suck. Okay. Um, that's not going to feel good. And that's not going to make me want to keep playing soccer if that's what I'm doing. Um, and if I continue to get held back or continue to fail and I'm always the the lowest score in my class it's not going to motivate me at all to work harder i'm just going to know i'm the stupid one and i'm going to continue to just sit in class here's what a lot of people do when they're not good at a subject they sit in class and instead of attempting to figure out the information they sit there and think about 
how hard it is to figure out the information. Okay. Yeah. So was there a, uh, a subject matter that you were bad at in school? Um, History, math. I would actually say it'd probably be, I would say just uh, English, like grammar and all that yep. kind of stuff. I was just so Me too. bored. Me too. Spelling books and that kind of stuff. Like I was just like, ugh. Like why? Am I, I get it now. Why it's so beneficial? Because I mean, uh, sentence structure and all that. Like it's extremely important. Absolutely. Because you, you can have varying meanings to stuff and not even realize it just because of punctuation and all that. And I really uh, understood that when I got my uh, undergrad. I still remember getting my political science essay back, and I got an A on the essay because. Uh, I did well substantively, but the but I I assumed I had gotten an F because of how much red mark was all over. <laughs> yeah. I'm not joking; it was all over the place. So it's like, good job in terms of substance, but you wrote it like a two year old. I mean, he didn't say that, <laughs> you know. But he but the, honestly, I wouldn't have been upset if he did because I didn't realize how lacking I was um, in that regard. Yeah, and I, I've really had to make up a lot of it over time and. You know, um, it was it was a struggle. It was yeah. definitely a struggle, especially, you know, 18 years of schooling. <laughs> then I go into my undergrad and it's just red marks all over. I'm like, well, how did I get away with this for so long uh, when I was in elementary school and grade school? Right. My first English class in college, uh, English 101, which I took AP English uh, in 12th grade and I passed with an A. I get there and I write my first essay and I got a 35 percent on the essay. <laughs> and I was getting A's in high school. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. such a yeah. rude awakening. Um, yeah. Because I wasn't taught well. And when I got into a real school with people who are really trained in it, their, you know, um, standard. Were we not taught? Go ahead. Were we, sorry to, to, to interrupt, but I, but I wonder, were we not taught or were we just because I was actually thinking of education in a different way. This is why it's interesting hearing you talk about it because you're talking about a system where it's a it's a progression over time where you're not forgetting the past. The, the past is still revel, re, uh, relevant to what you're learning today. So it's going to build upon itself and it's going to cause you to reinforce those things. I've never heard it that way. I was going to approach it, uh, education and fixing education in a different way, which was basically... You and I, when we were in class, were a pain in the ass. I don't think the teacher could have gotten across what they wanted to get across in many instances unless they had the type of personality that could keep us in line. But that was so rare. And you and I could still go home, read, memorize, and still pass the test. We didn't need to be present in class. I mean, I remember during our AP biology class, I would get into class and the teacher would just tell me to go to the lab. <laughs> yeah. And yep. I thought it was fun. I thought it was funny. And it, it wasn't going to the lab like, you don't need to be in class. Like, you know so much. No, just go to the lab like and start experimenting. Ass. I had the same teacher yeah, go, as you. <laughs> and go to the class. <laughs> yeah. 10th ten, grade, every day, me and my three friends get there. And as soon as we walk in, every day at the end of the year, she's like, nope, office. I don't want you guys yeah. in here. And we just, we'd go hang out and she passed us, but we'd just go up there and mess around for, yeah. you know, three weeks or four weeks. Um, yeah. But uh, my 12th grade year, I did try. Um, so, so I was passing with attempting to learn. Um, what changed? Why did you do that? Because I had screwed around long enough and I'm like, well, it's 12th grade. Huh. I better get serious. And well, that's mature. College, 
I, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I um, wish I would have done that. Yeah. So, um, but any, at any rate, I had a rude awakening with that. Um, back to the whole idea of, of maintenance though. Um, <clears throat> so the idea would be is that you, you take a United States history class and then the next year, um, you know, after you've passed and you've done well, when you come in, you're not learning anything new. You are just learning to use the information regularly. Think of it I like see. learning a language, right? Just because you can remember uh, how to say car in Spanish or dog or cat or whatever, um, and you can remember a few conjugations of verbs, does that mean you can have a conversation? And does that mean you can apply all those things when you need to and understand all of those things when it's given to you? So what we should be doing rather than giving us new information or stopping completely is taking a break and just getting used to using the information so it can become meaningful for us so that we're not mm -hmm. always trying to grasp and learn something new, but now we can play around with the ideas, let them flourish, let them sink in and let them make the connections in our brains that we need to make in order to understand it. It's still boring. Yes, absolutely. But because you're being forced to now talk about it in a lot of different ways and, and now maybe all of sixth grade, instead of sitting down and being lectured to, it just becomes conversations. It becomes yeah. Okay, you're going to put on a play about this. Okay, you're going to write a paper about that. Okay, you're going to go teach the fifth graders about this. Um, and you have all these different types of activities in different ways now that you have to make and represent and regurgitate that information. Yeah. If that were the case in sixth grade, when you get into seventh grade, when you get into eighth grade, I'm not saying you're going to remember any, everything. I'm just saying you're much more likely now because you've played around with that information now for a year. It wasn't just learn, 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 new, 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 yeah. new, 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 new for nine months and then all of a sudden just stop for a summer uh -huh. and forget everything and next year learn something completely new and don't talk about what you learned last year at all, okay? Now you're continuing that information and, and you're getting comfortable with it. You're getting used to it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> It's funny, I picked up uh, my guitar a little bit earlier today um, and was going through some recordings I had from like 10 years ago. I was like, oh shit, I forgot about that. How did I play that? And I picked up my guitar and within three, four minutes, I kind of figured it out. And it wasn't something easy. It was something that was like really funky and, and off and different where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to figure that out. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, I remember this because I played around with it so much that after, uh, I think the recordings were from 2009. So 11 years ago that after an 11 yeah. year break, and maybe I played it here and there in 2011 or 12. So let's just say an eight year break. I was able to learn it and figure it out quickly. Um, I'm not saying I could do that with every single thing I listened to, but it was easier to pick up because I learned it. i sat there i played around with it for for a while you know i did those things for a year it wasn't just i learned the song once and then just stopped and never played it again there's no way i would ever remember that 10 years later yeah even if i recorded it <clears throat> so um the the very first thing that we really need to do um if we're going to you know make it valuable and you might be listening to this or paul you might be thinking but who cares? I don't give a shit about history anyways. And it's like, yeah, but you had to be there and you had to learn it. So wouldn't you rather be able to remember it too? Oh, I, you, I think about that all the time. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I'm Absolutely. not saying that this is the most useful thing. Replace that yeah. if you're like, but I don't give a shit about history and I don't think it should be taught. Fine. Replace it with computer science. I don't care what you replace it with. I'm not arguing the content of this. It could be anything. 
although we could argue the content because computer science might be more useful than eh, maybe not history, but a lot of other things. <clears throat> I'm not arguing the content. I'm just saying replace it with anything, even if it's boring, but you think it's important. If you just did it a bunch, you would be more likely to remember. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So that's the first point. I want to go back to what you said in leaving people behind because well, well just just real quick before yep. you transition into that before we break away too far like are there other like are there schools within the United States that are currently doing this or other countries that have you know said hey this is a really good idea and have implemented it and are actually kicking our butt in terms of uh, education ranks as far as education ranks go Yes, or just school. Okay, yeah. but but I'm I'm I don't know if they're implementing maintenance, and that's how they're taking care of it. Um, mm -hmm. I just know that there are absolutely countries. And oh yeah, I know that too. But that's why I was wondering if if like your system, like has it been tried? Is there like a you know a private school even within the United States that's saying, hey, this is the best way to do it? Because I agree, I think that's a good way of doing it. Right. So um, I would imagine that there are some schools doing it because some schools do implement behavior analysis. Now it's more often implemented for individuals with special needs. But the only reason it's not like, oh, well, it only works for individuals with special needs. The only reason that's happening is because that's where the money is, right? Um, so it's like, well, why aren't pharmaceutical companies, uh, you know, <clears throat> doing measures to create drugs that help prevent this or help prevent that? And it's like, well, where's the money in that? You want, oh, yeah. you want to come up with a drug that helps cure something because that's what someone's willing to pay for. No one's willing to, to you know pay a hundred bucks a month or 200 bucks uh, a month for a pill that prevents them from getting, you know, eye cataracts and, and uh, hearing loss and all that type of stuff. We want something to fix it after the damage has been done. Um, and so mm -hmm. with behavior analysis, why do we only work with kids with special needs? Well, we don't, we work with geriatric populations as well. And, um, you know, all sorts of small areas, um, within maybe the video game industry or management or whatever. Um, but, uh, these are the areas where people are willing to invest money to really, um, attempt to alleviate some of the uh, symptoms that are being manifest from something like autism or something like Alzheimer's disease um, because these things so heavily impact an individual's ability to operate in their environment. Um, um, and no one can quite figure out how to help them. They bring in a behavior analyst for that. But for you, Paul, well, you could just figure it out. And if you can't, well, then I'm going to blame it on you being lazy. I'm going to blame it on you, you know, not wanting to work. <clears throat> that yeah. might not be the case. Um, it might not be that you're lazy or that you don't want to work. It just might be that you don't like the material because you didn't do well with it and because people made fun of you for it and made you feel bad about yourself when you were a kid. And let's face it, I mean, we're all just adults kind of still dealing with some of that stuff. I'm not saying I'm on, you know, <clears throat> up front, I'm like, oh, when I was Five, I got made fun of and I'm still dealing with that. No, I'm saying when I was five, you know, I wasn't very good at reading and I still thought I wasn't good at reading, you know, when I was 25 because I didn't realize that reading's hard to everybody. Um, and I never yeah. put in the same amount of time as everybody else. You know, what happens with that, that person, I don't think I finished this thought, but what happens with the person who's not good at math is, um, they go into the classroom, okay, and they look 
at the board and they go, oh my God, okay, I didn't even get the last stuff and now we're working on fractions. I hate math. And then they look over at me and they're like, how does he do it? He got an A on the last test and like, he just gets this stuff. And meanwhile, that person's looking at me thinking I just get it and I just understand it. And I'm not, I'm looking at the board going, oh my God, I hate this stuff. I don't get it. I got an A on the last test though, so I can figure this out. All right, what's the, he did right there. Okay, there's a fraction. He did that. That doesn't make any sense. Okay, let me try this. And it's like, I would sit there and I got rewarded for attempting to solve puzzles. Okay, I would try and figure out the math problem. I would flip to the back of the book, look at the answer, and then plug it in and be like, okay, how, how do I work this out and make it so it equals reverse that? Reverse engineer it. Yeah, I would yeah. reverse engineer it. But other kids tried that, failed, got an F on it, thought I just knew how to do it, and I didn't. I did the same thing and I failed, but I tried it again and I got an A, and maybe I just lucked out a little bit better. And those people relative to everybody else just went, I'm bad at this. And they stopped trying. And so you and I might have both spent the exact same amount of time in class paying attention, but I thought I could do it and you thought you couldn't. And so when you'd look at the board, you wouldn't go, ah, let me figure this out. You'd go, ah, I just don't get this. You wouldn't even try. Yeah. You miss out on all these opportunities because you got left behind. That transitions us yeah. back into what I wanted to talk about with. You said, well, you know, the maintenance sort of takes care of people getting left behind. I, I wanted to say it doesn't completely... The what takes care of? Sorry, I missed that what, last part. Uh, kids getting left behind when they oh, okay, move from yeah. grade to grade and they're not doing well. So yeah. what, what we should be focused on is um, not pushing people ahead, not no child left behind and pushing people ahead based off of their age. What we should be pushing people ahead is, is based off of their ability to do something well. Okay? So... Yeah. The school you and I went to, we had about four teachers per grade, which is very, very low. Um, you know, most schools maybe have like six or eight for for grade schools. Um, but let's just stick with the idea of four teachers per grade, okay? Now, yeah. if you took that and, and instead of having a grade level um, where we're all now in fourth grade or we're all in fifth grade, you take those teachers and you have them teach fourth grade equivalent material, but one teaches um, level one of fourth grade, level two of fourth grade, level three, and level four. And we just don't call it fourth grade. We call it, you're moving on to this, you're moving on to that. And kids just move whenever they move to the next stuff. Then we don't have to worry about how long someone's been somewhere, or how long they haven't. And if it, they are, for some reason, taking way longer than somebody else to get material, Okay, then uh, maybe we get them some specialized education. But what I'm saying here is, <clears throat> is that instead of teaching something for a whole year and then moving forward, and you're not even teaching it for a whole year, you're teaching something, then moving forward regardless. I'm teaching fractions, and then after fractions, we are moving forward regardless in the fourth grade onto quadratic formula or whatever the hell it is that we used PEMDAS on, I can't remember. Equations of the line. Yeah. Um, uh, regardless of how well you're doing right now, we're going to move on to this. And that kid, regardless of how well they're doing, now moves on to the equation of the line, is going to fail. They failed that first one, they're failing this guaranteed. Why can't we just leave them there in that class to stay on that? Why do they have to move forward with the rest of the class? Do you so, think parents would, would allow that? I mean, I mean, I, I'm just saying like, that's what happens in karate, isn't it? You take karate, yeah, yeah. you move on to blue belt when you're good enough to go on to blue but, belt. But but parents are, are I mean, just from my um, 
just coaching and all that kind of stuff, parents can be extremely insecure. And it's like my and the thing is that they're living almost vicariously through their child. So they're just sure. like, I do not want my kid to be held behind. OK, he's having trouble in this subject. But then if it, but how do you bridge the gap and get them to, to think like, you know what, we're setting your kid up to do better. He's going to learn this stuff. He's really going to learn this stuff by the time he's done. And how do you change the mindset that their kid isn't being held back? What that, if that it's, that it's okay because it's, you know, different subject matter. Maybe with me, I would have been held back in English, let's say, but, but I would have wouldn't, you gone wouldn't, through in math. It wouldn't be being held back because now you only move forward once you've mastered it. There is no time criteria. If a I kid see. can go into this teacher's room and master this teacher's material in two weeks, then in two weeks they go on to the next teacher. I see. If okay. this student okay. masters it in two months, then in two months they move on to the next teacher. They move at their own pace. Okay. I see. Um, and, and that works for the advanced students too, because a lot bingo. of advanced students, they fall off the map because bingo. they get freaking bored because they're having to wait on everyone else. Absolutely. So you're, you're able to advance them and then allow other students that just need a little bit more time. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. that I mean, that's the thing. It doesn't mean your kid is, is is dumb or anything. It just could be just the ability to learn. Sure. And it, you look, know, if you want type of learning, if you want to uh, advance, you don't want kids to become too advanced. So you don't have, uh, you know, 10 year olds in high school or, or something like that because you're worried about that. Then maybe you have different branches that these kids break off onto. And instead of learning uh, about, um, you know, um, going into high school and doing that, they just get more in depth into some of the subject matter, right? Instead of yeah. talking on the surface level about mathematics, then they maybe just branch out into geometry and trigonometry and calculus and things like that at a younger age with other kids around their age level. So, th yeah. so the idea here would be to do away with the whole idea of grade levels and just move on to things based off of mastery. Now, I know that presents a problem in, well, how do we get enough teachers for that? Or how do we... How do we classify that? How do we do that? And it's just <clears throat> you you might have to change the way a classroom works a little bit in the sense that, um, you know, you do have to go through something and teach it for a month. And so maybe that kid just keeps taking the same class for a month, for a month, for a month. Or you could have different activities for someone to do inside of a classroom right? Uh, so not everything uh, needs to be instruction. In fact, very little of class or of learning something should be instruction. I could sit yeah. here and tell you all day about Spanish and how to speak Spanish, but the best way for you to learn Spanish after a little bit of knowledge is to just continually practice. And so yeah. maybe if in these classrooms where kids are struggling and taking longer than other children on average, um, they get more individualized help just rehearsing over and over as a, and less explaining. Okay. All we need yeah. to do is go back and take baby steps. You know, the, the person who failed, I had a friend who was, you know, who said he was bad at math. And, um, it's funny because, you know, when we were talking about ideas like uh, what I was talking about previously, that he could totally be good at math, that it's just like reading, and he was good at reading. It's it's just a different form of memorization, right? Um, when I see the uh, letters T-H-E, I go the. And when I see two times six, I go 12. It's the same it's thing. It's just 
Yeah. I, I see it and I do it. He just didn't get as much rehearsal with the math facts. And so he wasn't as quick with it. And it maybe was a little bit less meaningful to him. And um, I liked puzzles, so it was quick to, for me. But I got distracted when I was reading and things just didn't make sense. And I didn't, I would sit there and do the same thing as I, I said that math person would. I would sit in, in reading class and I'm like, how does everyone just read these stories and follow along and get it? I didn't, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't realize like I'm just sitting here spending my time thinking that as opposed to practicing doing the thing. I'm not getting the same amount of experience. They've read twice as much now as I have because I just wasted my time thinking about how I'm bad at it. Not only that, yeah. everybody else is rereading the same page five times too. Or if they're not, they're just moving on and going, meh, I don't care. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, crap, I got distracted and I, I don't remember anything on that page. And that part, I'm like, how are they already five pages ahead? Because they're, people skip ahead and they're just like, eh, whatever. I, I realized this when I was maybe like 23 or 24. I'd read Fahrenheit 451 and was talking about the book with somebody. I'm like, oh yeah, when that I read happened, that again, that. yeah. What was that? You recommended that to me and I actually read it, uh, reread it uh, again about a month or two ago. Yeah. It's, it's cool. just one of my favorites. It's a fantastic book. And and so it took me forever to read because I'd keep rereading and rereading. And I reread the first 50 pages of the book probably five times before I got to page 100 and, and then had to reread Come a bunch on, of stuff in there. And by the time I got to the end of it, I talked about it with somebody. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, when this happened, that. And they're like, I don't remember that happening. And I'm like, what do you, how do you not remember that happening? That was like such a big foreshadowing for this. And they're like, yeah, I didn't remember. And I'm like, but this person's so good at reading. Like, no, they're not. They're just quick and they don't care if they miss some of the information. They just get the gist of it. And I was too focused on getting too much of it. And it made me think I was bad at reading because I was slower than everybody because I was trying to figure out too much. I don't know if everybody yeah. has the same problem. Anyways. Well, are there are, are there some kids, though, though too, like you're, you're saying, you know, we can uh, have them stay in that particular class. That way they really, you know, build their foundation. But aren't there some uh, kids and students that uh, no matter how long they stay in that class, they're not going to be good at that subject. And, and literally you end up just wasting time. Sure. And Let's take when a they do approach. have the capacity... Okay. Yeah. Well, let me just give you an example real quick. Like I had a a friend growing up, and he was just not like scholastically gifted in terms of like his ability to write, creative writing. Just school in general just wasn't his thing. Mm-hmm. But hands on building things, like he could see things in his mind. I mean, I would I would try to do like put things together like he would. And it's just impossible. He became just this expert welder eventually. And he loves it like and he Mm -hmm. can see things that I can't angles that I can't I can't cut things the way that he can, but he can envision it. And yet he had to spend all of this time in these classes where they're saying, you know what, there's something wrong with you. And I'm wondering, is there something wrong with the fact that we didn't have an outlet for him? Because I would, I would do is that he would get uh, bad marks on his essays. Uh, his parents would say, you know what, you're not going to go out and you're not going to do anything until you rewrite this. Because, I mean, his mom was just, you know, a killer in terms of academic. She mm-hmm. was really good. Nurse practitioner, all this right. kind of stuff. So it's like, you need to stay here and you need to get this done. But the but, parents, they work kind of long hours and all that. So what I would do is I would come over, I would read his essay, I'd redo it. I'd make sure to not make it, you know, 
too good. Not that I was a great writer or anything, but I knew that if the, if his teacher saw my writing, he would, or he or she would be like, there's no way that this is his own work. So I would do it well enough, just well enough to, to show an improvement basically, but to also make it look like his own work. So I ended up just so that we could go out and, and have fun as kids. So he didn't have right. to sit indoors. Right. I mean, I was doing it for selfish reasons because I'm like, I'll do this <laughs> in 30 minutes and then we could spend, you know, two or three hours before sure. it gets dark, just doing whatever. But le- you know? So let me ask you this, though. Do you really think he wasn't capable of doing it? Or do you think that there is just so much of this stuff built up uh, about being forced to do it uh, and, you know, getting bad grades on it and or, you know, being forced to sit for long periods of time that he just didn't want to do it and wasn't interested in it and didn't put forth that same effort like you and I. Uh, it's really, you know, you're actually making me think about it now and it's making me question because if you would have without everything we talked about uh, prior to this, I would have just been like, no, like I could just see me, in his writing, even the way he would write the the A's, like the A, you know, a, a lowercase A, it had this loop up almost like it looked like an O with like an eyelash hanging off the side of it or something. Like it was a weird, sure, you know, but, I still remember he's that welder. to this day. He's got to have great fine motor movement. He could be able to, to write, he should exactly. be able to write that A correctly. So maybe he just had a bad start in it, like you're saying. Sure. That could be, and maybe well, that's just compounded. What yeah. is what is somebody who, um, think of a, a young good learner in your head. What do they look like and what are they doing in class? What is somebody who's getting straight A's when you're in third grade doing? Um, I think the ones that did the very best, I, I'm assuming we're asking not how can I memorize this, but why is this the way that it is? What are they when doing though that his- you can see? That's very mentalistic, right? That's very mm. like, and so I don't, I can't teach anybody to do something mentalistic well. I'm, I mean, I can, but um, I can't do it well and consistently. What are they doing in class? I guess the 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 best of them, you know, I, I taking I'm notes, skewed. asking questions, sitting quietly. Well, they, I don't. Re- I don't remember, but you and I were at the top. I mean, like even in high school, I graduated with a 4.17. If you were to ask me like, well, what were you doing? I would say pretty much nothing. I would go in there. At times you, know, you I could had take to the have test. done something by the time you were in 11th or 12th grade. And that's what I'm trying to remember though. I don't remember. I mean, you know, I played sports, so I had stuff going on afterwards. You went Sometimes home and did your zero homework, period classes. right? You studied. Yeah, I had to have. I had to have. Um I don't know. I, I really don't know. How. Don't get me wrong. We, I think what you're confusing this with is that you just didn't apply yourself as hard as you could have. Okay. Which True, is my but I'm case trying too. to remember. I, I did go did. home and study. I was lazy and I skipped out on a lot of things, but I still went home and studied. And I, I had to have too. Yeah. yeah, I did too. There's no way I couldn't have. There's no, no. it's not like I, you know, I just, you know, I just did as little Googled. as possible to get by yeah. in that studying. Okay. Exactly. The bare minimum. Yeah. So, so just memorization, basically. That's what I was pretty much doing. That's why I was saying. I think the students that truly understood and remembered this stuff, I think it really was a mental thing. It was why. And, and even with uh, some of the stuff that I do now, like if you're, if there's a really something that you're not understanding, I think the students that tend to excel are the ones that are willing to sit there for inordinate amount of time, uh, inordinate amount of time until things start to click and then you have that moment of like wait wait wait, i think i get it 
I think I've got it. And then you reread Good. it again. You're like, I don't got it. Yeah, I don't have it. it it's gone. And then you, but you keep going. And those Good. seem to be. You keep going. Where in school yeah. do we teach kids to keep going? Where is that behavior taught and where is that rewarded? Where do we teach kids to sit for an inordinate amount of time and give them an A for that and reward them for that? We should in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, or rather when kids are five, six, seven, teach, be teaching them how to sit and be giving them A's for sitting well for a long period of time. We, we do make them sit, but they don't get graded for it. We don't reward them for it. We only scold them when they don't do it well. When a kid tries and tries and tries again, or when they try and fail, we don't go, you know what? You didn't get it right, but you tried really hard and you didn't get it right the time before. I love the fact that you came up and even though you weren't able to get it, you tried again. Good job. Yeah. Those are the things that we need to be teaching to really young kids if we want them to be successful in some of these models. We need to teach those skills because, you know, you said that, you know, that's why you think a lot of it's mentalistic, but a lot of that is behavior that can be taught trying again. That's not mentalistic. That's not that's not in your head. That's that's just knowing and having the previous experience of if I keep doing this, I can figure it out. Okay. And, you know, and I'm actually thinking of some friends I had growing up that were in like RSP and all that. And I'm actually thinking about the way they used to carry themselves because they were in those classes because everyone knew and I didn't care. Someone was in RSP and it didn't mean anything to me because they were, were my friend. Like it wasn't it's not like, oh, well, we don't click academically. I couldn't wait to get out of the classroom. So it didn't matter who it was like. You know, my friends could be in whatever class, whatever, you know, whether advanced or not, it didn't matter to me. But I'm thinking about the way in which they thought about themselves and they were so self-deprecative in terms of the way they would take the affirmative in saying, well, I'm just dumb. I'm an RSP. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't think good because I'm an RSP. And they, would, <laughs> I'm not I'm not exaggerating it. They would say that to me like, oh, well, I just don't think good. And this over-exaggerating, but they were doing it almost, and it, it's me, the adult, thinking about it now, but I realized the reason they were doing that is it was a shield. Yeah. They thought that everyone thought they were stupid. Yeah. Even though I was never thinking that, they were my friend. Yeah. Like, they were my friends. I was never thinking that, but now it's making sense with what you're saying they thought they were incapable. Sure. They had never been told they could actually achieve. And so they just basically compounded that over time and then basically put this wall up where they would just kind of make fun of themselves in anticipation of somehow. Well, and that's what you spend your time doing. For, if if you think you can't yeah. do it, if you think you're fat and lazy, are you going to spend your time exercising? No, you're going to go, well, that's not who I am. I'm fat and lazy and I don't do those exactly. things. I'm fat and lazy and fat and pe- lazy people sit on the couch and eat ice cream and watch TV and play video games. And I'm going to do that too. I do those My same things. Yeah. I sit on the couch and watch TV and play video games, mm-hmm. but I also don't think I'm fat and lazy. I think I'm yeah. somewhat fit and somewhat athletic and somewhat handy. And so I get up and go and do those things too, because people yeah. who are those things that I identify with do those things. I identify yeah. with that. 
therefore I do those things. That's getting into yeah. the mentalistic thing. I want to go yeah. back to though and say that that kid who, you know, you might just say, well, you know, they're not good at solving problems, this or that. Let's take your welder friend. Yes, he is. Because if he encounters a problem with welding, he will try and try and try again. He has been rewarded for that. He is good at it. If the welder goes out, he's not going to try one <laughs> thing, unplug it and plug it back in and be like, well, didn't work. I quit my job. And the funny thing is that I, I would the whole entire time, I was just like, I suck at this. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm like, you know, try and cut a right angle and, yeah. you know, piece of metal slides out. Even with like construction, like building stuff. Like We like doing the things that we're good at. And so we need yeah. to teach kids how yeah. to become good at things. And you do that by repetition. We need to get them okay with failure and just reward um, the trying again part of it and not so much focusing on the outcome. Because... Everybody's going to fail at something. Everybody's going to yeah. fail at pretty much everything you try. Nobody comes in really and just is and successful that's right thing. off the bat. Yeah. And so because it, it makes you into a spear over time because you absolutely. have enough failures, enough. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. You get and to figure it out. So, so what I'm saying is all of these things, if you can do it in one instance, you can do it in another instance. If you're thinking, well, yeah, mm -hmm. but that's with welding. It's different because I enjoy welding. Well, why do you enjoy welding? You can enjoy history too. Um, and you're like, well, history is not hands-on. Make it hands-on. Make historical films or something. Doesn't that sound fun? Um, yeah. It's everything has somewhat of an identical feature as something else. Welding is almost in some ways identical to something like history in the sense that it requires memorization, in the sense that it requires your ability to problem solve, in the sense that it requires at times investigation and creative and building things, whether it's stories or um, structures. Um, and so if you can apply it in one situation, you can apply it in another, which brings me to one of my final points, I have another one, but I probably won't get into it, um, is that we don't have enough rewards set up for children in the education system for when they're doing well with things, okay? Part of my big issue when I was growing up is, if I did well, okay, what do I get? And oftentimes it was, well, you get more work and you get harder work. You're doing really yeah. well, uh, so you get to now go into... Um, the advanced class uh, for, you know, algebra two or whatever. And it's like, I should have just done the same as everybody else. And then I wouldn't have to do this hard work. I could just do easier work. Okay. Yeah. What, what we should have had in place for someone like me or what we should have in place in general is when you do well, you get rewarded for things. Paul, if you do well on your math test this week, if you get an A on your math test this week, you don't have math homework next week, okay? So you can go. Yeah, home. yeah. I think that's how it should be. I, I couldn't. I can't stand homework. Sure, but a lot of yeah, people go. Well, then the reward. kid's gonna fail the math test the next week. You're absolutely no. right. They will. They might. At first, they're going to, and then the kid's oh, gonna go. I didn't do my homework in undergrad. <laughs> I just didn't, uh, you know, be worth sometimes 15, 20% of my grade. And I just yeah. be like, this is dumb. I'm like, I'll get A's on the test. Why am I doing? And, so, but that's my so own I was, problem though. Is, I was with you. I did you know. one class, but here's the thing is I could learn well enough just by following along, or I could learn well enough by doing three or four math problems. I didn't need all the repetition. Yeah. So the teacher's like, oh, you don't have to do homework, um, blah, blah, blah. And so I didn't do the homework he assigned except for maybe four or five questions. I'd start the homework and go, yeah, I got this. I'm done. And I would stop yeah. whenever I felt like stopping. Um, 
and I got an A in the class uh, on all my my tests, but the last 10% was up to him. He's like, yeah, you didn't turn in any homework. I'm like, you said you didn't have to. He's like, yeah, well, the last 10% is up to me, and I don't feel like you deserve an A for not doing your homework. I'm like, cool, you suck. Anyways. Oh, yeah, I got I, there's a uh, B's and C's that I got because I didn't do the the homework. I even got called out in one class uh, for my managerial accounting class. Uh, I had a thing where I'd go in and I, I didn't learn anything from the class itself, which I think is something we should transition into if we you know have a little bit of time left. We could extend it a little bit. But um, uh, I would go into class. She would take attendance and then I would immediately leave. And so basically I would only stay in class if I had to take the test. And my thing was I would go back home. And so I was, I was working in the background, but instead of going to class, I would read the textbook and kind of figure it out myself because I didn't feel like I was learning anything in class. I would just, you know, kind of bullshit with the people that were around me rather than doing anything. So if anything, I think I was a disruption sitting in the back. So I'd get out, but I didn't know she saw me. Yeah. So there was this one day where apparently the whole entire class felt the way that I did. So they're really upset about their grades and uh, they're, you know, she's sweating. I'm not joking. I still remember this to this day. She's sweating in front of the class because the class was like, like, it's not our fault that we don't learn anything because, you know, we're all collectively in this together and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I just know you guys aren't dur- doing the work. And they're like, we are. And she's like, no, I'll prove it. And then she like out of everyone in the whole entire class, she points to me in the back and I'm like what and she's like she's like i see you every single day you come in here and then you leave and then you don't even you don't even uh do your homework because i can see it on the uh we had like an online portal sure and when it was in its nascent stages back then and i was deer in the headlights and i was really kind of a still a shy you know person back then so i was just completely like oh my god i didn't have an answer for i was like you saw me. I, I didn't mean to cause offense, like whatever. And then she's like in front of the whole entire class. She's like, well, what did you get on the exam? I'm like, well, with the curve, I got 107%. <laughs> and she's like, you set the curve in the class. And I was like, yeah. And the whole class started laughing. And I felt horrible because, I mean, it's not like I did this all all the time. Like, it's not like I got A's. And it, but does this all, not like, prove was... my point of the issues of sticking with traditional methodologies of teaching? Yeah. Right? It's not yeah. about, uh, she, what, however she's teaching is ineffective because the person who's not showing up to class is getting the highest grade. Something yeah. is wrong. They're setting the curve. Something she is wrong. Whatever stuff. Sure, I'm not saying she didn't. I'm saying she shows up to class, she just lectures and goes through things and just moves on at her pace, not what the students are gaining and learning, and then it's their fault when they don't learn. And look, if you want to play that on college students, fine, because they're adults, but you can't play that on a five-year-old, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old. You can't do that to them because some of these kids come from homes whose parents don't value these types of things. It is not on them. Okay? If we yeah. want to teach these people and not uh, not have them left behind, not have uh, have them left a, a part of a society that um, you know feels like they don't have skill sets or can't contribute or is just mad at the education system and goes and finds another way of doing things. Um, if we don't want that, if we want everyone to feel involved and um, to take something away from that experience, we have to change that and break away and say and recognize and look and say, okay, well, um, you guys are are clearly able to learn a little bit differently. So let me then change and adjust the way I'm teaching this class and let's do something 
different during class time as opposed to the yeah. same thing over and over and over since it's not effective. Um, I do want to get back to, um, um, gosh, what was the last thing I was talking about? The rewards. Okay, so um, we... I say you don't have homework and, and you're like, well, I didn't do homework and I still pass. But do you think everyone would still do well without homework? Well, no, I, actually, there were times where uh, I had to do my homework, like in organic chemistry, and I got a, I barely squeaked by with a C to pass <laughs> sure. in that class. Yeah, so, and I worked my butt off. I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a tough one for me. So so my my idea here is uh, is that um, if I say, look, you get a, an A on your organic chemistry test, you don't have to do homework the next week. The next week you don't do homework and then you fail the test. The week That's after, you're going to have to do homework again. And yep. if you can get we'll that learn. A again and now you don't have to do homework, you're not going to not do homework. You'll do a little bit of homework and figure out how to maintain that A. In other words, yeah. you will figure out how to master it without actually having to do the assigned work. You will learn to learn on your own. You will do it voluntarily as opposed to being forced to do it because you're afraid you're going to fail because of it. What I think that teaches and why I think that's important is because it teaches people to approach their own problems and learn on their own as opposed to only learn when they're being forced. It teaches people like how to figure things out on their own and how to solve that problem on their own and how to approach a situation in which they can learn best. You figure it out. You go home and learn. If you need to do this much, do it. If you don't need to do that much, don't do it. You get an A yeah. and you can go home and figure it out by looking at the back of the book, then do it. If you come here and get an A, I don't give mm -hmm. a shit how you do it as long as you're remembering the material. That is fine. Well, and I love the professors that, that really they could go off of script and this is the reward. This is the, 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 my reward was, was professors that could go off script. They knew their stuff and they could just talk to the entire class with really have not having to go off of slides or anything, but were very challenging as professors, meaning they had very high expectations. But I had what about in professor. grade school? I mean, like you're, I, one of the things about this conversation is your primary mm -hmm. focus keeps coming back to college. Like I'm focusing oh, okay, yeah. on, on primary school. Like, well, you know, what were your favorite teachers in, in grade school? I would say the same exact thing. I think the, the most memorable teachers for me were the ones that took such an interest in the subject that they didn't really have to, it's like they didn't have to force themselves to wake up in the morning to, to go to class. Sure. And they were really engaged and ingrained like within the subject matter. So it made it interesting because it's like they were living it. But I'm really actually having a problem trying to like scratch my brain for, um, you know, I, there are some that made, that had an impact on me um in a positive way but i would say a lot of them but i think that's just life in general uh a lot of them they couldn't hold my attention or really the attention of the class uh once i learned humor because i was just such a shy introverted kid i learned like humor and how to joke around a little bit when i was in like third grade it took me until high school or actually rather junior high until i developed that but once i developed it i would take advantage of the teacher in the classroom to make other people laugh so no one was learning I, I became yeah. kind of a pain and I could and but my parents didn't get it so I'd have like parent teacher conferences and they're like well he's getting good grades like how is he this like disruption and they're you know 
it was pure insecurity on on my part. Like I, I look back on it now, and I just I, I but you're a hate kid. myself you for you it. You can't know any better than that. Like you're not expected well, uh, to. Well, yeah, you don't have the full frontal cortex going for you and everything. But I look back on that, and I'm like, you know, these people were trying to do their job. Like they knew their stuff, and they couldn't, you know, they couldn't tell it to the class and have people have but the kids a, but learn. A kid's never because, going to understand that. But there were there were professors. Well, they, exactly. But that's why you that's why you need teachers in place that can have a command over the classroom. And it's and it's not an authoritative thing. There are just some teachers for whatever reason that have this innate ability to not allow the class to get out of control. But it, it's they're not friendly. Innate. But they're not, there are things that is can it? be learned. There are things that good. they've picked that's up. That's good somewhere. to know. That's good to know then, because I was worried that it it could be just an innate. Uh, an innate aspect of their being. I mean, we, all. I'll just throw out a name right now. Uh, in in high school, if we, if anyone ever got into trouble, and I'm sure you were sent there too, we would go to Miss Baker's class. Uh huh. And when we went to Miss Baker's class, we sat there silently. At least I did. Like nothing. I didn't. I didn't do anything. I just knew. That she was the type of person that wouldn't let but me that get out of control. On you, but that didn't work on everybody. Miss Baker was just, no? you know, a, a meaner old lady. But I saw some people freak out on her because she was too authoritative for some. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay, absolutely. so I didn't see that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So um, it worked on me because I'm like, oh, like, like I have made her mad in the way I make my mom mad, and you know. Um, I'm going to get in trouble and my mom's probably going to be yeah. pretty pissed off too. So That's there might be some, exactly. some mirroring there. Um, you Look, what I want to say with all of this and, and what I want to get back to with all of this is I think you can take command and I think I could have taken command in you in a, in a classroom, not by being authoritative, but by saying, all right, um, you know, if you are able, you know, when you guys are able to do these types of things or when you're able to learn it well or do whatever, at the end of every period, we have a 15-minute test or quiz or writing period. If you're good with it, if you did good yesterday, if you're silent, if you're doing whatever I need you to do, sitting quietly attending, you can leave 15 minutes early for lunch. You can have an extra half hour at recess or a half hour at lunch, or you can go join the PE yeah. class or what do you like doing? You want to go play on the computer? Do it. You want to go hang outside yeah. with your friends? Fine. Do it. What I'm saying is, is if we can set up more rewards for people doing the right thing, you go ahead, Paul, continue to make those jokes. Have fun making them when no one else is in class but you. Well, you and I was actually thinking about about trying to gain more leverage because it, it, honestly with someone like me uh just being so awkward in terms of socializing and stuff like growing up like i think i still would have been like okay fine i'll sit here for the last 15 minutes it won't bother me and i can i can sit in one place like yeah. i think that's what made me effective like when i'm writing like a legal brief or something i can you sit abs- in one place for like you eight absolutely hours. can but some but, of the well, days how about this hang on some of the days you are going to do well and I'm going to give you the extra 15 minutes or the extra half hour and you're going to be yeah. like, you know what? Which one was better? And here's what I yeah. have to outcompete as a teacher. Yeah, that whole humor thing is almost priceless because when you're that age, attention from peers is absolutely invaluable. So I might oh, need yeah. to come up with something where, okay, Paul, you do well then what I'm going to let you do today is I'm going to give the class to you for 15 minutes. And now you run the show. What do you want to do? What do you want to talk about? You want to show us some YouTube videos? Do it. All eyes are on you. 
You want to yeah. turn on some music? You want to bleed let heads up seven up or pick a game? It's up to you. That might yeah. become more reinforcing than telling the jokes. What I'm saying is we have to work to find these things. I'm not saying I have, you know, one one cure for all, but we can't just <laughs> assume grades and and standards and demerits and um, detention is going to be enough to control every kid. We have to individualize and we have to focus more on rewards than the punitive measures. And I think we can find those things, right? A lot of people will say, well, rewards don't work for everybody. And I think that's bullshit. I think that, um, you know, rewards do work for everybody. Um, yeah, we take run something like money. People will be like, oh, you know, um, well, you can't just give, uh, you know, everybody money to do this or do that. And, um, I'd say everybody has a price. It's just some oh, people's yeah. prices are higher than others. If I'm a millionaire, yeah. you're going to have to pay me more. You can't just say, well, yeah. he wouldn't do it for a thousand dollars. You're right. He wouldn't, but he might do it for a billion. And you're like, well, that's not worth it. Hey, look, all I'm saying is if you wanted to get him to do it, you could, and he does have a price. If you're not willing to yeah. give him that much money to do it, if I'm not willing to give you an extra half hour of break or let you lead the classroom for 15 minutes to get you to do the thing, then I'm just saying, well, it's not worth it to me. And I have to, we have to re-question that. We have to rethink about it. We can't just keep teaching things the same way and, and dominating our classrooms because that's what our principal tells us to do or that's what I was taught to do in graduate school. We need to look at what yeah. actually works. We need to change things, not just— Well, you'd be an awesome teacher. Like, I mean, I never thought about any of that stuff. I was thinking of like a completely different way of, you know, trying to control the student that's being— it's one thing to stand here and, and say all these things. It's a different to actually do it. <laughs> so well, I might be good well, at, at teaching teachers and managing teachers. I don't know if I'd be a good teacher myself in the grade school system. Well, because what I was thinking, if I was in that situation, it was and it was me. Like and I, and I was like, you know, let's say I go back in time and I'm that student that's acting up and everything. I wonder how many times it would have worked had I just been like, had the teacher just said, hey, Paul, tell you what, you're you're being hilarious right now, so let's play a little game. Pick a number between 5 and 10 and be like, 10. Okay. Wrong. Smacks you in the face. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'd be like, okay, you pick 10. Good for you, bud. Now, everyone here has to write a a 10 paragraph paper on on something of their choice but it must be 10 paragraphs and basically what i'd be doing is i would take all the people that thought i was funny and turn them against me because i'm making others work i'm <laughs> instead of me being punished I, my peers are being sure, punished and but, my peers are going to hate me for it and but that what might if actually I hate shut me peers? up what if i hate my peers well, I'm not, but the thing is, though, is that I think a lot of times the people that are acting up don't necessarily hate their peers. A lot of times they just want uh, more of a connection. I mean, especially in my case, I was just taking advantage of the situation. Like when I was coaching baseball, like, you know, I think I did something similar to, to that where, you know, I asked someone like, because they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't stop. It, some of the jokes are pretty funny because they're just so childlike. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I was trying not to laugh, but it gets to a point where it's like, OK, the head coach is trying to say something like you guys need to be quiet. I'm not going to ask again sort of thing. And, you know, so they'd say something. And a lot of times they try to get me to laugh, you know, and but the head coach is trying to talk. So I can't laugh because I'm subverting the head coach. So I would just be like, hey, OK, well, 
you know, this is hilarious. Pick a number. And, you know, they pick a number. I'm like, okay, well, you guys are going to stay here and count while the rest of the team does laps around the, the field. And I would, you know, try and do stuff like that that would kind of almost turn the camaraderie and the just turn it up on its face, basically, and use it against them. And, you know, just finding little ways to kind of yeah. split the Was tribe. Was it effective? Um, you know, I... I it was effective in that moment, yeah. And but I don't know. I, I long term, never really I wonder if it. it was effective because so there's this idea with punishment, and uh, we do have to to wrap this up, and maybe we can get into this next time. Um, but the issues with punishment is that um, there are three of them. A people get desensitized to them, meaning eventually exactly. they get used to it. Um, yeah. B it doesn't teach them what to do in the next instant. That's appropriate. You're only teaching a child what not to do or an individual what not to do. Um, mm. And then C you've now paired yourself with punishment, and people start to associate you with that type of stuff and not like you. Yeah. So, um, I think that we could totally save that discussion for a different podcast. The issues. Well, do you mind if? I interject just just one more time. Yeah, go for it. I'm actually thinking about your view, and sorry, I don't mean to to keep laboring on this, but I wonder if it would have been more beneficial if if because a lot of uh, teachers and everything they spend a lot of time talking at the class. Like this is a subject matter I'm going to talk at you. Like maybe if they did take your approach and said, you know, <coughs> Paul, what's what's your view on this? You know, and I'll feel insecure, too, if, I, if I'm if i not paying attention. I'm like, what? You know, sort of thing. But actually get the class involved sort of thing and allow discussion. You know, keep it, oh, yeah. you know, have some type of, like, format so, to it to where it's not a free-for-all. But there, there is a program um, that started somewhere in Brooklyn, and I want to – I wish I could remember the name of it. It starts with a K. I think it's called, like, the Not Program or the the Null Program. It's It's been a while since I've read about it. But what they do <clears throat> is uh, the whole point of the program was to take children from impoverished areas and uh, um, place them or, or allow them to move up um, in socioeconomic status by the time uh, that they were 30. Okay, And so this is like a K yeah. through 12 uh, program. And so they take these kids and um, they accept them into the program. And they are expected to be at school from like eight in the morning till five o'clock at night. And all of them are strongly, strongly, strongly encouraged to do extracurricular activities. Honestly, it might be like six in the morning. These kids, when they're interviewing them, they're like, yeah, the the first year is really sad. I missed all my friends and it was a lot of hard work and I didn't like any of it. Um, but now I've made a lot of new friends and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's going okay. Um, but these kids, uh, like they have like an 80% success rate of, of placing them into like middle-class paying jobs coming from oh, wow. poor neighborhoods, um, where great. the likelihood of them getting into a middle-class job is like 20%. Um, yeah. and so it completely dis displaces them. Um, but part of what they're doing in the school is exactly what you just said is and something I talked about earlier too is um, they really encourage trying and working things out so if a kid gets up and attempts something they give them all the time in the world to sit there and people encourage them people um, they don't help them but but when they do start figuring something out you know it's a lot of even from the classmates hey good job um, you know oh, you almost got it that time or that was better than last time and uh, so they have kids get up and teach the classes and they have 
kids get up in front of the class and just work things out and they give them as much time as they need. And it's okay. Yeah. Take your time. We'll do this or we'll do that. And, and, um, so that type of behavior allows people to get comfortable with not knowing, figuring things out, working and not feeling, uh, like they're a failure with some of that stuff. So, um, they have done some of these things to some degree in these programs and they've been successful. I'm going to have to look up the name and, and bring it to you next time. Um, I like that approach. But uh, I, I thought of a quick story before we go here um, that actually was just told on uh, recently on Joe Rogan's podcast with Burt Kreischer. Did you listen to that by chance? I uh, know. <laughs> okay. So he's talking about how when Bill Burr was younger, uh, he he got stuck somehow, or maybe he he did it every year, where he would do these prom shows. So it was like. 18 year olds or a bunch of 17 year olds just, uh, you know, graduating, um, high school. And, uh, Bert was saying that this is one of Bill Burr's favorite stories. Uh, and Bill Burr's on stage, you know, doing his stand up to some of these kids and he's sort of bombing. And one of the kids just yells, he's like, he's like, if you're red and standing on stage, you suck. And everyone just starts like laughing. (laughs) And it just reminded me of like, you know, uh, how difficult it is to work with with some of these teenagers. Oh um, yeah. And so look absolutely. I'm not I'm not saying that um I've got the right solution and I'm not saying we need to abandon all of these ideas completely. Like I said earlier, why not take a hybrid approach? Then if we're having trouble convincing yeah. parents, then let's do a little bit of both. If we don't want them hanging out, okay, so maybe we do grade levels still and you move up, but there are there's some wiggle room where you can change classrooms and the classrooms are tiered differently and people kind of go yeah. a little bit more at their own pace but are still with a, a group i'm just saying and the, the point of, of this and what i wanted to talk about with education is we don't have to just do what we were doing yesterday we don't have to yeah. do what we were doing 200 years ago we can look at something new and go let's try something new because you know what quite frankly i'm pretty sure we're all aware we're not doing that good yeah it's not working i agree so, all right. Well, that was that was my one hour rant on education, and I could keep going. Um, but uh, thanks, thanks for talking with me about that, Paul. Um, and look, if you think of uh, stuff over the next week on this, let's just bring it up immediately in the next podcast because I know I kind of dominated that conversation a little bit, and I'm sure you have. Um, other questions and ideas and things I probably just blew over or rephrased your, your question. Um, but I'm quite confident I have answers to them. I probably just wanted to get back to one of my points I was trying to make before I forgot it because it's something I'm passionate about. It's something I know a lot about and it's something that we could really easily change just by trying a few new things. But so uh, next podcast is as soon as we start, whatever questions you have, whatever you think about and you're like, yeah, but what about this or what about that? Let's just bring them up. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll need to think about it a little bit because I haven't heard this perspective before. So uh, I think I will come back with some questions once I've had some time to kind of uh, think it over. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, until next week, everybody, um, stay safe out there with the COVID, but I hope you guys are all doing well and thanks for listening. Bye, everybody.